Are you looking forward to this? Ah, uh, you know, <laughs> doesn't really sound like it. <laughs> hey, who is it that said that everybody goes, I have no idea about, you know. What's I'm, a synod? I'm reasonably open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what is a synod? Do you really want it? Is, is this going to be linked to a uh, sleep app? <laughs> <laughs> All right, start. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Chip Lunch podcast. And as usual, I'm here, and I feel very excited to be here. Because I, I'm here, and I feel excited to be I here. I didn't even get to introduce you. Yeah, but I'm here. Welcome. <laughs> I really like you jumping in before <laughs> you tell me to. It's really entertaining. You usually have something like slightly planned, but then you just <laughs> smash it away. Wow. I was, was going to say a different word, but I thought maybe it was my evil plan. Yeah, you are evil. Um, Let's work on our guest, Adam Darvell. Hi, Adam. Hi. Chief Warden. Chief? Oh, a Warden. Yeah. Chief. A Warden. <laughs> no, I like Chief. Okay. Chief. Yeah, whether Chief is accurate or not, Chief sounds yeah, good. Yeah, that would be cool. Chief <laughs> is a good name. What's up, Chief? Brilliant. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming on. I'm looking forward to and it. And at such late notice, you're just like, oh, have you still got a spot open? I'm like, yes, we do. Yeah, oh, I, thought that was, I thought that was lots of notice compared to other, other tasks. Some, some. Yeah. <laughs> some guests have come on within less than 24 hours, which has been, which has been very much appreciated. But uh, I often come on within 20 minutes. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here all the time. You and don't need introducing. Yeah, I'm here all the time. Hi, the I'm here till Thursday. <laughs> I'm here till Thursday. <laughs> Um, are you? Uh, your both your sons have been on Chip Punch way yeah. back at the start. So yeah. I'm the third person in the family. Mm. Ashley was expecting to beat me uh, to be on uh, Chip Lunch, but she works when this is being filmed. So unlucky. Take that, Ashley. Yeah. Sort yourself out. Take some time off work and <laughs> get on the podcast. You're going to be your dad. Uh, are you attempting to usurp your sons with a better episode? No, no, no. They 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 did. A stellar job, both of them. So I'm just going to try and not embarrass myself and we'll see how we go. Oh, Fantastic. Well, I'm going to try and embarrass you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's start with the opening question. Go uh, for it. Uh, thank you. I would love to. Adam, uh, how do you like your hot chips? Well, sorry, Joel, but yes. uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to potato hot chips, <coughs> then you absolutely have to do chicken salt. Amen. However, I, and I must say, like, my, my uh, hot chip uh, source of choice at the moment is Joe Jr. over in South Village. Yep. I think they do a pretty good they job. They do a pretty good job. Uh, however, what I'm finding more and more, though, is uh, I'm getting quite into having homemade uh, sweet potato chips. Nice. Of yes. which, you know, you kind of rough cut, coat a little bit in. Uh, lightly coated in olive oil, mm -hmm. and then you've got to have some of that really kind of chunky rock salt yep. on top of those. And yeah, you can't do chicken salt on those. So no, you can't. That's kind of where I'm sitting at the moment. Oh, very nice. Sweet potato so, chips are so good. I love sweet potato chips. I feel like the like the enjoyment and quality of sweet potato chips like is very variable. Very yeah. very variable. <laughs> I don't reckon I've ever had bad. Oh, they can go really mushy. Yeah, can they? if they're yeah. not cooked right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I find. But you feel like you're eating vegetables, so it's healthy. So oh, yeah. that side of it's good. Mm. But yeah, you need to. It's hard. They don't crisp up as good as, as no, normal potatoes. No, yeah, agreed with that's that. That's very true. I like to do if there's any like baked veggies left over, like potatoes or sweet potatoes, mm. in the morning, chuck them in the pan with some butter and then scrambled eggs with them. 
that is that's good. The dream. That is the the dream. Is the, it? It is the dream. Have you not done that? <laughs> no, I do it all the time, but I do it. I, I, I omelette instead of. Oh yeah, that makes uh, sense too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's nice. You like whisk it all up in a bowl, and then you go. Whoa. Uh, okay. Yeah, I cook the yeah I cook the potatoes first, then whip the eggs up and pour them pour them in. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Well, I don't usually do it with potatoes because I don't have potatoes left over. But oh, okay. Yeah. The reason I do that though is because I heat it up quickly to cook the potatoes, like heat up the potatoes, yeah, yeah. and then turn the heat off and then put the eggs in because you don't want to cook the eggs too fast. No, you don't. Right. This is the egg egg lunch podcast. Egg lunch. <laughs> Welcome to egg lunch, everybody. Uh, with Joel, Ethan, and Adam. All we do is talk about eggs now. I don't like boiled eggs. Oh, that's a that's a pretty hot take. Uh, have you ever have you ever <laughs> have you ever had a good boiled egg? Because like you can no. get a boiled egg wrong pretty easy. I think it's the but texture. a good boiled egg slaps. I think it's the texture. Okay, you slap boiled eggs. Yeah, it'll whack it. <laughs> is that how you make it good? Yeah, you just <laughs> just give it a quick slap. You slap it in the pan. <laughs> you don't actually slap it in the pan. You shouldn't be putting That's your boiled like, egg in a pan. Uh, Jamie Oliver, when he was like doing like the fifteen minute meals thing, he was like, put the oven on full whack, <laughs> and like slam it down on a on a. He always had to have a tea towel underneath. You the did everything at board. high pace. Yeah, stops, stops it sliding. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, funny story about eggs. My mum used to like boiled eggs. Mm. So when I was living at home, she once left the egg on boiling all day. Ooh. <gasps> I don't know how she. It would have been like, like a what piece of plastic by the end of it. Surely. I can't. Remember. I think it was a bit black. It was like black. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a boiled. Uh, well, that all the water, but it did. It did. Oh. Boil, it boiled all the water, and so the whole bottom of the pan was black as well. Oh. Awesome, because it just been it'd been on for probably eight or nine hours. Yeah, everyone's had a, a saucepan which you've just got to throw out because it's not worth trying to recover. Yeah, well, I don't know if I've reached that stage yet. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I have. Is that yeah. a real milestone in yeah, your life? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in people's he's lives, going, you go no. Yeah, you're not a man until you throw, <laughs> throw, you throw out, out a saucepan. saucepan. <laughs> no. Yeah, mm. this is this is done. Goodbye. Before we move on to the next question, Adam, are you a you a regular listener of Chip Lunch? Is that right? I've listened to all of the episodes of Chip Lunch. Ooh. Wow, that's pretty impressive. All of them. Thank you. Because I I absolutely love hearing. I, I I firmly believe that everyone's got a story, mm. and I love hearing those stories. And so, even though I'm probably a little bit introverted naturally, I love hearing uh, yeah people's stories. And and so this is great because I don't even have to go and. Approach people, I can just hear other What's people. What's a metaphor? So it's great. <laughs> I don't actually have to talk to people to hear their story. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah I'm not sure that came out right, but yeah. <laughs> You've been very lovely and encouraged, like me in particular, a number of times saying, oh, like, thank you for doing it. It's been really, I really enjoy doing it. But it, oh, we enjoy doing it. Yeah, heaps. It's a lot of fun. Heaps and heaps. Yeah, I actually try to reach out to, I probably don't get everybody. I don't know everybody, uh, mm. but I've tried to reach out and, uh, oh, and cool. thank most of your guests for their for sharing their stories so that's really cool um, yeah no, that's people have been really uh generous with just how open and honest they are mm. so that people everyone's you've set the the other 102 103 people whatever it is have <laughs> uh, have set the the benchmark as far as just being really open and honest but i think mm. that really contributes a lot to mm. the podcast and to uh so revival as a as a church, yeah, and, so. like, and I think a, a bit of an in for people to be able to develop relationships yeah. a little bit quicker, which is which is you know one of the things that we're aiming to do. Mm. Having said that, let's hear your story, Adam. Mm-hmm. How did you become a Christian? Yeah, okay. So for, for years, I used to apologise by my story because I thought it was a little bit dull. But I guess um, I, I, over time, just proven yourself. Yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go. <laughs> 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 comment in the uh, comment uh, in the comments um 
So I guess I, I cannot remember a time when I didn't know, love and trust Jesus. Mm. So I, I started going to Sunday school when uh, my family moved back to Gaimia when I was probably three or four. Mm-hmm. So I started in the kind of the preschool section of Gaimia Anglican Church. There's a photo somewhere, I couldn't find it before the, the pod of me as uh, dressed as a sheep in the nativity play uh, <laughs> at about three or four, which was perhaps the pinnacle of my acting <laughs> career. Um, and so, look, an absolute shout out to, um, you know, Mrs. Huffnance, which was a, you know, one of these little old ladies that faithfully mm. served in that, Sunday school for decades. Feels like a very um, Sunday school name too. Yes. Huff, Huffness? Yes. Yeah. Sounds uh, like a storybook. Yeah. Who was replaced, you know, when she got, uh, I guess, too old for it with, mm. with Bev. Yep. But, oh. um, but that was after my, my time. Oh, yeah. But so I grew, I grew up there at Gaimi through the, the Sunday school and then and then Sebs, which is kind of like a, a, a church-based scouts group. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got really solid consistent teaching and I just cannot remember a time when I didn't uh, know and uh, and love Jesus which was which is great cool. there's a there's a photo which I will share because I know you like to throw them in of uh, and I'm probably about I tried to work it out the other day uh, I'm probably about seven and uh, my sister and brother and I we'd lined up all of the toys and we were baptizing them all <laughs> so theologically that's a little bit dodgy but that's uh, so good. That. and <laughs> to make it even better i'm there in my uh, yellow terry toweling uh, dressing gown because that was my robes because mm, nice. clergy wore of robes course. back in those days of course uh more so than robes? Now. that's so, amazing yeah, good. yeah yellow terry toweling dressing gown is my robes um uh, because it just made sense to me that my toys were, were part was were my like universe yeah, and, your, mm, yeah. Uh, had to introduce them to Jesus. Yeah, of course. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so, I can't, so I really can't remember a time where mm. I wasn't. Uh, although certainly in my uh, kind of just pre-teens and into my teen years, I spent quite a bit of time um, making sure that I actually understood what I believed and mm. understood what the alternatives were and why I didn't believe them. So I actually mm. spent a lot of, of time wrestling with that, not so much wavering my own faith, but to just make sure I wasn't um, I wasn't just believing something because I always had. Mm. And so, you know, there, there's some great books from that, you know, the, the 80s were good for this, you know, with like Josh McDowell, Evidence Demands a Verdict, Volume 1 and 2. <laughs> um, and um, so I spent a, quite a lot of time looking into that just to make sure that what I believed was actually right. So it wasn't mm. just a take it for granted. Uh, there used to be a, a saying around that time where people would say, look, uh, God doesn't have grandchildren. You actually have to be a child of God. That's cool. Now, oh, right, yeah. again, ignoring, um, you know, some aspects of that, but it just it just meant, no, you actually do have to, you can't take it for granted. You actually have to know. Mm-hmm. So there was a long time where I, I wrestled with that aspect, but my, um, yeah, but my faith didn't kind of waver in that time. That's really cool. Was there any particular moment, I mean, I know you said you... Kind of like you can't think of a time where you didn't know and love Jesus, which is really cool, by the way. But was there a particular time, like moments during your childhood or your adolescence, where you were thinking, Oh no, there's a reason I'm making this decision rather than following someone else or just deciding to choose to do uh, take a different way? Yeah, well, I think, I think in that 
in that time when I was looking at what other people believed, that was part of me going, no, I actually have to, you know, uh, the 80s were full, it's probably not just that time, but everyone had kind of this big conversion story and I was kind of like, well, I do actually have to make sure I do. And uh, there was a great Christian music scene during my teen years in, in Sydney and it, they'd have an altar call. I can't think of how many times I went down to recommit. It's like, just in case last time wasn't quite enough. <laughs> number of people. I'm going to yeah. have another crack at this just yeah, in just case. Just give it another go. Not because I didn't believe I was saved, but it was kind of like, you know. Um, and, and often they were, you're going to, I'm not sure it's recommit or just renew your commitment. Uh, completely unnecessary now, you know, but... Uh, but yeah, that was something that was relatively common. It's important to you to make sure, too, it feels like. Yeah, which is weird because I never actually doubted whether Jesus had died and saved me. It was more me doubting whether I had um, really, yeah, whether I was right with it, not whether God was right with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. But, but what I mean, one of the, the beautiful things about. Christianity compared to every other religion is the fact that you actually don't have to do. Uh, you don't have to earn it. You don't have, you don't to, have to earn it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, my my sister uh, became a, a Muslim at one stage uh, for quite a long period of her life, and when she, before she passed away, she came back to the Lord. And one of the things that she really struggled with in Islam, you have to earn it. Mm. And the whole idea of grace was so offensive to her for years. In that no, uh, it, that uh, heaven must be cheap if you don't have to earn it. Wow. And then when she re- understood uh, grace, it just it just blew her away. Mm. It was it, but it, it it was this massive hurdle. Um, we don't. I think we take for granted just how wonderful uh, grace is. But when it's the opposite to what you actually believe, it, it absolutely blew her away. And she'd known that as a kid. Mm. But yeah, it was so. Yeah, that's it's an interesting thing. But. I think we need to be reminded of, of just how awesome grace is. It isn't cheap. It was paid for with a really heavy price. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, it's wonderful. I was actually reading something about, like, justification and sanctification last night. And it says that, like, you know, we're justified through grace and God's, you know, Jesus paid the price for that, as you're saying. But then, like, we're continually tempted to kind of add to it by, mm-hmm. like, doing something out of our own strength or trying to... Um, just I'll just I'll just add a little bit in there just to make sure, but that's like what we trick, get tricked into is just thinking mm-hmm. oh we just need to, but everything's done. That's what I'm trying to say is everything is done, so it makes a lot of sense. Can I check? Do you grow up in the Shire? I grew up, yeah, almost completely in the Shire. So uh, I reckon <laughs> I've, I've, when I when I was kind of born, I said born at Southern Hospital. Uh, we lived at Yarrawarra. Ironically, it was north. Ingadine at the time, down Wheatley <laughs> Road, which didn't go through to Loftus. Oh, really? So Ooh. a couple of hundred metres from where I now go to church in Yarrawarra. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, then we moved to HMS Creswell because my father was in the Navy really? for a couple of years. Okay. And then moved back when I was about, what, three or four. So the rest of the time in the Shire. Ironically, if I stand on my roof, I can almost see the house I grew up in. <laughs> so, although it's across a valley now. But so, so, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's what um, he has. Tell us about... So HMS Criswell, where, where is that and what, uh, what, what was that about? Yeah, so my father was in the Navy and HMS Criswell is the naval base down near Nowra, Jervis Bay. Yeah, so yep. sort of an actual boat. They were like, yeah, we went and lived on a boat for a while. No, no, no it was okay, just cool. 
It's a it's a navy base. It's a navy yeah. base. So yeah. a base gets HMS as well. Yeah, yeah. What does HMS stand for? The Majesty Service, is it? Oh, I think it, yeah, I don't know. Right, I just thought it meant boat. Yeah, I meant HMAS too, isn't it? Or is that Australia HMAS? So yeah, is that Australian? Oh, okay. So I wonder why the base is just HMS. I don't know, but if you look, even all of the all of the bases have the same kind of tagging. So if you go up the mountains, there's there's a base just. Uh, at the start of the mountains. Oh, this is HMAS, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought I was saying HMS. No, HMAS. Her Majesty's Australian Service. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I have been. I've seen and been around there a number of times because it's. A, I'd like to holiday in Jarvis Bay, but it's yeah, in the yeah. south of Jarvis Bay, isn't it? There's always. Um, they're often doing Navy helicopter exercises. Yeah, there's a big. There's a big helicopter base there. I think there's. Slightly inland, there's one called HMAS Albatross, which I think mm. might be the chopper base. But oh, okay, yep. I know when we drove past it years ago, my mother looked at it and said, well, the accommodation's much nicer now than what it was in the <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great. so how long did you live down there? Oh, hardly. I mean, yeah, I guess a year or two. Oh, okay. You got any memories associated with that? Absolutely none. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> none at all. So, then you, little. so you moved back to the Shire at what age? Yeah, so three or four-ish. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you have any memories associated with... Your dad being in the navy, like that's a super interesting thing. Besides no, the my, song, my, no. My father left when I was five, so I have no. I've actually only seen my father six six times in the last forty eight years. Yeah, uh, twice when I was a teenager, and then uh, just before my sister passed away and at her funeral, and then twice after that. Yeah. Once when I went, he's over in Perth now. Once when I went to Perth uh, for business, mm-hmm. and once when we went over with the family and, we, and the kids got to see their granddad. Yeah, well, uh, once so. So no I, I, no, I don't. Although, ironically enough, the office where I now work overlooks the Maritime Museum mm-hmm. and the, uh, the HMAS Vampire, which is uh, a, uh, they call them boats, they're not ships, they're boats, aren't they? Uh, which was the boat that he um, served on during Vietnam oh, wow. is, at the, uh, is at the Maritime Museum. Is it? And I strangely enough did a function once, so I had cocktails on top of the H- <laughs> HMS Vampire, which this I think it was a, a slightly different experience than what he had slightly. when he was surfing in just Vietnam. A, just a little bit. You know, getting canapes. Yeah. <laughs> We're just celebrating the freedom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That has been one for us. So okay. ironic enough, when I grab a, a, a drink or I sit down and have some lunch, uh, or in, in some of the meeting rooms at the office, I look down over, over the vampire, but... Wow. Well, I'm apparently more nostalgic about that than he is. I explained that to him and he was like, eh, it's just a boat. <laughs> <laughs> he probably been, didn't enjoy his experience very much. Well, you wouldn't know. Don't know. I know um, mum used to half jokingly say that uh, the dad cooked barbecues on the beach of Borneo during Vietnam because he was a, a chef in the Navy. I think she probably was saying that to slightly irritate yeah. him. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, like so, you said that you your your dad left, yeah, and you just grew up with with your mum. Yeah, so I, I was very fortunate to live in a house uh, that was a multi generational one. So we had oh. the three kids and mum, yeah. and we lived with my grandmother and my great grandmother. So there was the four generations in wow. in the house, and so that was my uh, experience. You know, there was a house full of love, lots of people. Um, it was it was tricky. Both my great-grandmother and my grandmother were single women uh, through various reasons mm. and it had a pretty tough uh, tough time. Mm. And, uh, and then mum was on 
own. And you know, years later, uh, when my sister's marriage failed, that was repeated again with my grandmother, my mother, my sister, and her three kids. So mm. it, it was the same thing. So that house really was a wonderful uh, vehicle to uh, to live in and grow up. And yeah, it was just a great time. Mm. And did your mum take you to church? Is that why you grew up in the Sunday school? Yeah, it's a really good. It's it's a good question when I reflected on it because. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess so. Although I grew up in a house where you didn't, we didn't talk about religion or politics, so there was no no teaching, instruction, or, or even discussion around the things of God at home. But Mum had gone to Guyana Church as a as a as, as God had been in the youth group back mm-hmm. in the I guess sixties, and um, when they moved to Guyana from uh, uh, from Rockdale Way, and um, so there was always we were very strongly encouraged to to go to Sunday school, and and Mum did. It actually was much later on when when my sister had become a, a Muslim that my mother and grandmother, my great grandmother, had passed by then. Mum and Grand went and did a, a Christianity Explained course because they were it, it kind of threw them a bit, mm. and uh, and they uh, recommitted their lives to to Christ because on the basis I think the the minister at the time, which was Lindsay Stoddard. Uh, when, they, when they asked him, like, how how is it that our daughter's gone and and converted to Islam? Because it was really quite quite through them. He said, "Well, did she actually really know what she believed? And do you know what you believed?" Mm. And so they did Christianity explain, and they uh, and, and both mum and grand recommitted their their lives. And um, yeah, so that was yeah. a yeah. wonderful thing, wonderful thing in a difficult time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And you've just mentioned that you, your sister converted to Islam from quite a number of years mm. um can i get what was your reaction to that and th- thoughts around that uh well i guess um the challenge as a christian is that you know that she's started to believe something that isn't true mm. and in the late 80s when that happened it was it was a really unusual thing and I, and, I, and I think it was the start of the time where even questioning that somebody's done that, there, there was kind of a kind of racist tones as well. Like, are you just being racist towards Muslims? Like, oh, right. no, I'm actually concerned about my sister's salvation. Uh, but, uh, see, so yeah, it was just a really tricky time. And, you know. Mm, it would be. Uh, and she had a very difficult marriage, which is more, I guess it's her story, but the... Um, mm. And... and so yeah, it was it 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 had both a uh, a faith issue because she'd effectively chosen to walk away from salvation, yep. but there was also uh, it was a yes yeah, so it was a difficult marriage. So that you kind of have multiple layers on that. It was a, it was a tricky time. Mm-hmm. So she she became a Muslim before she got married, and she the marriage ended, and then she uh, recommitted to. Uh, to Christ, so that the the marriage and her faith journey, were, although they were parallel journeys, they were different. She didn't convert back because of a failed marriage. Mm. She didn't convert because of her marriage. Mm. But yeah, it was just a tricky time. And on top mm. of that, she had she had a brain tumor, and it was all wow. pretty. And three young kids. It was all very tricky. Yeah, super hard. But yeah, sounds like tough. Yeah, it was a it was tough. a tricky time. And yeah. as I said. Yeah, there, there was there was some elements of it uh, which were really tough, but that's 
I appreciate you sharing though. That's it's it's um, when we get to like things that are quite people have to be quite vulnerable on chip lunch and they talk about certain things. I always encourage them to say that there's probably other people that hear that story or another story and go that's similar to a situation I was in and I think that's another benefit of doing this and hearing your vulnerability is just helping other people to to just understand that they're not alone and and it may be exactly the same as the situation that you're describing but yeah yeah look I think that uh, <clears throat> one on one I can be a lot more open about this uh, the challenge I've got here is that she's got grown kids who have chosen consciously not to know the de- the some of the darker sides of her marriage and her relationship with her husband yeah, her story yeah. and so I'd I probably want to stop there just because oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Right. It's, it, this is public and they've, they've asked not to know, therefore. Yeah. Oh, there's no expectation for you to no, keep no, sharing, but I, I appreciate you being, even the honesty that you've already shown yeah. just yeah. there, so thank you. That's really, really cool. Can I go back? Let's return to you. <laughs> <laughs> the, what was high school like? What high school did you go to and, and yeah. what's it like growing up as a Christian during that time? Yeah, yeah good question. So I went to Port Hacking. Okay. Which mm-hmm. ironically was where my mother went and where my sons have gone. Yeah. So, yeah. so we had three generations uh, there, which I guess if it was a prestigious school would be something prestigious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have joked with the boys that, that you know, I know the, the school song and <laughs> which of course... You are the chief warden. Killed, killed part of their hearts as I... <laughs> um, so, to them. so I went to, went to Port Hacking. I think one of the things that really struck me when I arrived at high school was... It was the first time that I'd seen a group of teenage Christians because it had a really strong ISF group. Oh, that's cool. And it, it really quite, uh, I found that really encouraging. Uh, of course, one year later, they were mostly in year 12 and they left. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, shout out to Ash- Ashling Powers, who was Ashling Punnett then, who was part of that group. Mm. And uh, she was, I think, the leader of the group at the time. And they were, they were just a really top shot. So I found that a really, really encouraging first year in, into high school that's great uh and then the the following year kind of thinned out a bit and it was a, a much smaller group and so i was involved in leadership for that i for some reason drew the short straw where i was quite often the person that would get up in front of you know the 1200 people assembly to uh advertise the fact that the christian group was meeting oh awesome so there was really nowhere to hide <laughs> in that regard yeah um but, you know, we had uh, the Wares, so Nikki, and, and then oh. a couple of years later, Brad oh, and, really cool. and, and, uh, and Matt and Jenny Redman were there at that time. Um, so, but, the, but it, the, 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 the Christian group got really quite small and it was, it, was, it was tough times, but it was just, I don't know, high school seems the biggest thing in the world when you're at high yeah. school. <laughs> uh, but it was really, it was definitely an opportunity to really faithfully stand up for, for Christ, but at a time which, uh, yeah, the Christian group was re- really struggled. It was, it was under a lot of uh, attack. They actually, Port Hacking had a chapel when I was there. Really? Really. Of which, uh, in my last year there, after a couple of years of campaigning for it to remain a chapel, uh, was converted into a storeroom for the industrial uh, for the home economics group, which was just awesome. Um, but yeah, so you just had that kind of stuff where you saw a, a slow dismantling of some of the Christian traditions in the school. Yeah. But we just faithfully proclaimed it. 
Awesome. Week after week, that's yep. what you do, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what, and you said you went to Sunday school at church, though. So you going through youth group? Yeah, went through youth group. Um, you know, also, uh, you know, assistant led in, in Sunday school while we were doing that. Uh, youth group. This is pre Soli's youth group. That I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually used to have. I used to have a photo up at home, and I had to rummage around this morning to find it, which was of my confirmation class. Oh, nice. You know, and Stuart talks about how he suddenly looked left and right and he was kind of the only one left in his age group. Mm. Uh, and I used to keep that photo uh, on my desk and then on, on my shelf because probably three quarters of that group had fallen away by, by the time we got late teens. Yeah. A couple of them had come back to the Lord. That's cool. Uh, but it was just a gentle reminder about, you know, these were the people that I stood up publicly and declared yeah. my faith to as part of confirmation just it, that's no no guarantee that people will go the distance mm. and so yeah i had that photo just to and i used to pray for some of those guys um and uh but yeah mm. so that was kind of the where the church was kind of heading at that time there was lots of people that just weren't going the going the distance and sticking with it which is why when you know sully's about the, the whole idea of being able to really uh, encourage people to stick in there was just so uh, so incredibly important. But uh, but yeah, so was involved in going to youth group, involved involved in Sunday school, uh, which is I think if you go back to Lou's story, I I can't I couldn't really play guitar and still can't. <laughs> but we used to play guitar uh, as as Peter Croshaw was looking after one of the groups. Um, That's awesome. I always remember his favourite song is to be uh, "Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart," and with his, you know, with his uh, Sheffield accent, <laughs> meant that there were at times, you know, fifty to hundred kids yelling at the top of their lungs, "Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart." Oh, you had awesome. to say it in the same way as as, as Pete did. Awesome. Um, they just just great castle. times of that's encouraging great. these kids to yeah, to meet the Jesus that we knew. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there was some pretty. Rugged guitar playing. <laughs> rugged. That's yeah. a good description. <laughs> rugged. It's pretty eclectic. Yeah. Lou was great. It was me. It was pretty <laughs> awful. Uh, but, yeah. So when, did, so when Solis or Soul Revival at the time, when, when did that start in regards to when you finished school and you getting involved? Oh, look, I would have been in my 20s. So early on, there was... It was kind of a mixed history of, of youth work at Guymere. And uh, early on, Lou and I said, well, youth don't have a voice. And so we joined parish council. I was probably 18 or 19 or something. You know, it's a great, exciting way to spend Wednesday <laughs> night once a, or whatever night it was, once a, once a month. <laughs> but, but to give youth a voice. So you're a parish council at 18 or 19. Yeah. That is so cool. His yeah. store was set up for a very young age. That's so good. And, and again, it's not because it's massively exciting, but it was because this is what you need to do in order to advance the gospel. Mm, right. That's cool. If you actually believe that if you, if, if the people that are kind of making decisions don't understand the importance of having youth and children's mm. ministry, then you've got to have a voice for that and that involves sometimes some slightly less exciting meetings right that's very cool and and so we went there as a, as a voice and and Lou and I had the philosophy that we were there for 
we were there for all of the church. We weren't just uh, the, the youth vote. Mm. And so there are numerous times where people would be surprised where we'd be voting for things which where we prioritised other things over some of the youth stuff. Yeah, that's cool. But we'd go, no, we're here to actually represent all of the, the church. But, uh, but we were there to go, no, the, the, the youth is actually the, the church of today, not of tomorrow, which is yeah. kind of part of our ethos now, but it was mm. kind of new and... We had numerous people say, "Look, youth don't don't pay their way, therefore we won't resource them." Mm. But that was that was yeah, not an uncommon philosophy. And so, pre Solis, we 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 joined parish council and started to say, "No, we actually need to to uh, to do this to support uh, childrens and particularly youth uh, ministries." Mm. And this was at a time when Sunday schools were starting to kind of drop off a little bit. And, uh, and yeah, so we campaigned for for resources, and that kind of paved a way to what we've now got with, uh, with well, with, with having a sorry, old youth community. Then I mean, and I think back, it was extraordinary. You know, at one stage we we managed to convince the church to hire a factory in Kiraway. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was, it, they were great times. There was just times where you just kind of the way I guess we run now as a church. There, there's no rules. Uh, there's, there's no no limits to the things that you can try. Hmm. The rules are how you do that safely and and, and appropriately. And theologically. And and the, yeah, things. absolutely. But just because something hadn't been done before, if we thought it was actually going to be something that would encourage the people and advance the gospel, we'd give it a go. And hmm. I don't know. So that, that spirit of being kind of bold and a bit, Experimental. Experimental. Was there really young. And, you know, that's Stu and Lou's leadership. Mm. Uh, but uh, a lot. But, yeah, we, we just gave it a go. And it was great. God blessed it. And that's we had really some cool. amazing times. Mm. Some great stories and some great experiences. And so many people that got to know know the Lord and, uh, and, uh, and continue walking with the Lord that probably wouldn't have that model hadn't existed mm. so it was great it was awesome it's good fun that early like kind of delving into church governance in a way is that something you were interested in from a very low, like any kind of governance kind of because like you are as i said chief chief warden now but is no. that, you've just been involved in that for a very long time that's all oh uh, no no it's not as though i you know i have no i had no aspirations of going into doing it in any Civil way or anything. Mm. To me, it was it was a, a mechanism to uh, uh, support the people that I wanted to know and love Jesus. Right. Mm. The same reason why I'm on un- synod and standing mm. committee now. It's not because I really love meetings. I actually really don't <laughs> like meetings. Uh, it's because this is how there's a certain mechanism of the way things work. Right. And yep. you can either complain about it. I used to get really irritated when people would complain they've made this decision well who's they they're people and you mm. can it's our job then to let those people know that their decisions might not be right or they might not have considered this mm. or whatever so there isn't any they it's it, it, there's, there's people making it said people not committees make decisions so mm. uh, so yeah that 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 was the reason it was it was absolutely a focus of how do you actually make things happen one of the that's one of the contributing factors for it. Yeah, that's cool. Did you know what you wanted to do when you finished school? Did you go all the way to year twelve? 
I went to year 12. Yeah, this is going to sound very sad, but yeah, I, I, I really wanted to be an accountant. That's not sad. <laughs> it is a little bit. We need yeah. accountants. <laughs> Why is it a little bit? You need, we need accountants. So no, I, yeah, yeah, I was being silly. It's actually, now it's, it's fine. We do. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, so I've, I'm actually a qualified accountant, although I've never actually posted a journal entry, but that, uh, yeah, my, my mother used to always say, Why, how is it that, you've, that I'm a qualified accountant that's got, that has two accounting degrees and I get somebody else to do my tax? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I, I know and respect it enough to go. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, but if, so that's, what I, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I studied. Uh, but after that, I guess over the last 30-something years of working, I've, I've worked as an external and internal auditor. I've worked as a, a consultant in exciting things like financial engineering and activity-based costing. I, I Then I joined Qantas in the airline and I ended up at one stage running the operations for in-flight services, so literally a quarter of a billion dollars a year of everything from napkins, peanuts, champagne, <laughs> wow. plates. I got involved in doing things like designing bits of the A380, uh, bringing in a couple of different aircraft types. It was, that was just a fun, fun time. I then, I then left and did a business turnaround on a logistics catering business uh, and I've spent the last 15 years working in IT in a range of different areas. So yeah, I, I guess they, they kind of all build on one another but... They're all pretty different. They're all pretty different. Yeah, so that's very cool. Probably speaks to your multidisciplinary abilities yeah or i get bored quick or something <laughs> <laughs> one of those one of those but that, yeah so that for, so professionally that was pretty fun but yeah. but yeah what uni did you go to uh i did both of my degrees at uts okay, okay. Yeah, cool. so which was funny because i actually didn't i originally got into sydney and then i got an opportunity to do a cooperative course at uts so i switched it kind of the last minute one of the i feel like uts is one of has one of the worst designed buildings Sydney, but then also has one of the best now with that uh, Dr. Chowchak wing that they've yeah they've opened for a while. Yeah, that place looks. It, it was pretty dire when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty horrible. Um, but when I was there, most of the students were there part time, and oh, so okay. its proximity to the city was awesome. Mm. And I still remember have, being there when there was a fire alarm, and all these people came out onto the. There was some grass, not a lot, but there was some grass. <laughs> and uh, and everyone's walking around kind of going, where do all these people come from? We didn't, <laughs> yeah. didn't realise there's this many people studying here. Yeah. So it just had a very different flavour. It was very yeah. uh, vocational. Um, a lot of the academics as well as the students were part-time. Interesting. And so it had really strong links into industry, uh, but it just didn't have that kind of lays on the grass kind of um, university Philosoph experience. Philosophize mm. about it. Yeah. it. It just wasn't, that's just not what it was about. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much that, of that has changed now, but, <clears throat> you know, the course I did, we did three years of uni and a year of work in the three years. So we just got... That's a good idea. We got four weeks of holiday a year. All of the ho Each holiday we would actually be uh, uh, working or doing a, and or doing a, a subject. So. Mm. I think that's a good way to do it. In my opinion, given my experience at uni, which yeah. we've talked about many times mm -hmm. before on the podcast, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I I enjoyed it. There was some bits where you kind of go, "Did we miss out on some aspects of it?" But uh, and it, it did make for a really difficult Christian group at mm, okay. UTS because trying to find a time when people would meet for a Bible study or something where it was really challenging, you know. And 
Yeah, because um, no one's actually there at the same time. They're all parts yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was always, always uh, just a very different dynamic to, mm. you know, a New South Wales or an, e, an EU at Sydney. The, mm. the dynamic was just very different. Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Mm. That's really cool. So when did uh, you meet your wife, Jo? Jo. The lovely <laughs> Jo. Jo. <laughs> So, so I, I met Joe three times. So we had three. You know, you kind of have the, the what's the, the the sliding doors the or something. The crossing had, paths. We had thing, three, yeah. three. Yeah. So Joe and I were in the same kindergarten year, not wow. the same class, but the same year at Guymere Bay uh, Public. And really? then her family moved to Geelong. Mm-hmm. Her dad went there for for work. Uh, so we didn't really know each other then. And then they came back uh, in her teens and we were both working at Grace Brothers, which is now Maya, down at Randa, yep. on the same floor. So I was in toys and she was in menswear. And so yeah, That's just really interesting. <laughs> so you're doing toys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's the best thing to sell. That's a, was that? be lots of fun. Oh, that's where all the... So I used to go into... I think it was Grace Brothers at the time, Miranda, and they had a big rack of Matchbox cars. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. yes. We also had a wall of... That's what I would spend of, my pocket money on. soft toys, like the, the plush the soft yes, toys. The, mm-hmm. Yes, you did. And and Greg Crusher was notorious for <laughs> coming and picking me up if we had a, if I had a late finish. Yep. And he would just do like puppet shows and he just... <laughs> he used to love assaulting the poor uh, <laughs> soft toys. We had, we had great fun. So, so Joe and I were working on the same floor. Yeah. But by that stage in my life, I was absolutely determined that if I was going to uh, have a girlfriend, she needed to be a Christian. Um, and I had no idea. She, I mean, you know, cute redhead down the other end of the, the floor. But <laughs> uh, I didn't know what, you know, I, I didn't know where she stood with the Lord. So there's... there's she yelled from the other side, are you a Christian? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> You could do it with the with a puppet. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you could do it. Greg, go take the puppet over and ask. Yeah. Him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and and then we met for the third <laughs> time when Lindsay Stoddard was the minister at Gaimia, and his cousin's daughter, that's a bit convoluted, start, uh, came and visited, and brought along her boyfriend, which was Shane Schmeltnik. So some of you know Shane. No, okay. Uh, and, I remember um, the name, but not the yeah, no. and and so Kath and Shane brought along their friend Joanne. And so I met Joe for the third time in the lounge room of the old rectory at Guymere. Solid. And yep. and we hit it off, and um, yeah, the rest of the, the, the rest is history. Part of history, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, two years after that, we we got married and. Which was which was crazy times. Like I'd just started work. Joe was still at uni. Uh, it was just it was just mad times. But yeah, Joe. If you don't know Joe, she's awesome. We'll get her um, on the pod. She is awesome. Oh, you may. Yeah, you we may or may not. I don't know. We've got to get the whole Darville yeah. family on the podcast. We're, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're over fifty percent now. So. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, so yeah, Joe is just sensational. She's very creative. She's very. Um, very strong and because you know a lot of my career i was traveling mm. you know really? at one yeah. point i was in melbourne i do two melbourne trips a week was not wow. uncommon yeah. in one of my jobs and um yeah so yeah she, she's great um 
It's fabulous. <laughs> and uh, but then you know, um, if you kind of go through the, the story, and if you want to kind of move towards the kids, we um, sorry, we got married at twenty one, but we kind of held off and decided we'd have kids kind of around the thirty mark. And our our first uh, our first experience in the whole um, baby world was uh, Joe had fallen. Well, we, we didn't actually really know she. I get a call to say that she'd collapsed at Cronulla and had been taken to hospital. Oh. I'm like, Ooh. and they thought she'd had a miscarriage, and sent her home. Well, they they do a procedure and then they they'd send her home. And a couple of weeks later, she was just feeling crook as. Mm-hmm. And in all of our, our time of having kids, I missed two ultrasounds. That was, and that was one of them. And I was over at Miranda helping my sister do a, 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 a visitation handoff with the kids. Mm. And I get a phone call from the ultrasound place saying, uh, where are you? Uh, can you come and pick up your wife? Because you can probably get at a hospital quicker than an ambulance can. And what had actually happened is she had an ectopic pregnancy. So she had a couple of litres of blood in her abdomen. Oh. And if that had a burst, she would have just bled out. Wow. Uh, the, the, doctor that, My goodness. the doctor that had sorted out the, sorted out the, um, <coughs> the uh, what we thought was a miscarriage had actually just not done the follow-up pathology. And oh, it was actually quite terrible. Yeah, wild. The, the doctor actually gave us a file and said, um, this is all the stuff that you would need if you wanted to sue Oh um, really? Or or do malpractice? Because yeah, he was he was, just it was he didn't do it right. Completely wrong. Yeah, well. um, but he said, but be mindful that you probably won't be able to have kids during that process because it tends to be really stressful. So we chose chose Ashley over um, <laughs> uh, pursuing that, and and we got Ashley probably a year later, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't regret. That was a, a good a good call. She's a uh, uh, a great young lady. Um, <laughs> what did you say like that? Young lady. Young lady. <laughs> well, she is now, isn't she? she? Yeah, is. that's, she I mean, is. that's what she mean, is. I mean, speaking as a father, you're just like, oh, they're not going to grow up. And then you're like, actually, now for you, you're like, actually, they have grown up. Yeah. And, th- and that moment yeah. when kids go from being kids to being adults, it's got nothing to do with necessarily their age, but mm-hmm. just all of a sudden, I remember, I remember we were at church and we were going to have lunch with Greg and Rachel mm-hmm. and they got to our house before we did because we had to go and grab some food. Mm. And we arrived there and there was Ashley. She'd got them a, a tea and a coffee mm. and she was just sitting on the lounge talking and we're like, nice work. okay, mm. now, now... My work is done. Now you're, now you're a grown-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she's great. And then the second ultrasound that I missed, uh, I was away in business and I came home and I knew that Joe, because we'd had that topic, you had, we used to have very... Regular or Jay's to have regular ultrasounds if we thought that mm. she might be pregnant because mm. they have to make sure that it wasn't a repeat. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, I had to go. And Jay said, and they had some films on the coffee table. And, you know, back in the days when you got films rather than the you had them set on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> and I lifted it up and I went, oh, there's two. There's two. <laughs> <laughs> and Jay goes, they, they even pointed out to me and I couldn't, <laughs> she struggled to see it because they were, they were tiny. Like, yeah. it's yeah. six weeks. Like, they're yeah. little yeah. dots. Teeny tiny. She said, I took a while to. To find them when they pointed <laughs> out to me, hmm. and I said, "Yeah, it just it just jumped out," and so, so yeah, we got we got bonus. We got awesome. two boys doubled. Is there a history of twins in either of your families? Because isn't that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. So not well. Joe's got cousins that are twins, mm. but there's not a whole lot. Mm. 
but what was funny, we were in a Bible study group, and so there were six in the Bible study, and two of the people in the Bible study got married, and everybody in that Bible study bar one had twins. Whoa. And almost it's so wild. The spirit is. And almost, <laughs> and almost all of them were, I think, most of them were free range, so there was no IVF involved yeah. or anything. Yeah. So, yeah, it could, the, 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 the ratio was crazy. That's so yeah. interesting. I think the last person in that Bible study that got married was terrified yeah. to, even <laughs> 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 to even kiss their partner on the cheek. <laughs> they had a single, so it was the exception. Everyone else had twins. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Time. Wow. That's amazing. What has um, God taught you? Like it's cool that sharing that stuff about your marriage and having um, Ashley Hudson and Daniel. What has God taught you through those times? Do you think? This is, uh, there's obviously a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone says patience, um, but I think look, I, I I benefited growing up of a whole lot of men at church who made sure that I didn't miss out on anything from being in a, a single family. That's cool. Oh, that's really um, cool. And so that was a wonderful, wonderful blessing. But you typically only see those guys when things are kind of good or in the public. Mm. And so I think I, I've had to try and really kind of make up what it means to be a husband and dad yeah. all the time. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, Tom will tell if I did any decent job or not. And <laughs> there's lots of times where you're pretty sure you haven't. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's something that I think that's really weighed heavily on my uh, heart over the years of am I doing this right and am I – because there's so many times when you go – the times when you're not doing it right are really, really obvious. Mm-hmm. The times yeah. when you are are less so. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, I guess learning – what it means to be a Christian dad and husband mm. in in the times when things are good and things are bad is probably the the, the biggest learnings that I've had to mm. uh, work through. Yeah, on the topics of learnings, was there anything uh, that you learnt or was helpful about growing up in that multi generational household mm. that you were in? Like, is, was have you been able to bring anything from that into into parenthood or husbandhood? <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 interesting. We uh, we've had a tradition in my family of taking kind of the the reigning matriarch um, <laughs> out of a Saturday morning yep. to do to do shopping. Mm. Okay, and so my great grandmother, we did. We used to take her up to Miranda. We used to. Parker at Miranda and we'd do the shopping and it would be we used to joke it was airing the duck, airing mm. the duck right? and um, <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's great funny. I love that <laughs> it, it just was our, our colloquial yeah. term the duck. but there were there were some people up at Miranda that we would that we we would see for decades mm. that would know and it was my great-grandmother and then my grandmother, we did it too. And now, of a Saturday morning, we'll take my mum. My mum can't drive anymore. Mm. We take her up to it's South Village now. Mm. She, uh, we make her do laps of coals, no matter what she's buying. She has to do every aisle because that's that's her, her walk mm. and movement. And um, she gets a coffee and whatever else she gets. And so, I think 
trying to it's it's a great way of teaching your kids to actually be actively involved in their grandparents yeah, totally. life and to be considerate of others because you slowly see you know my great-grandmother my grandmother and now my mother become progressively more frail and more dependent mm. on you and that's when you reach a point where you, the, the roles kind of reverse a bit mm. uh and so i'd like to think that my kids have uh seen that and that that will that has and will continue to impact their view on what their role is. That mm. Even as quite young, they, they can actually have an active role of caring for others. And, um, so that aspect, I think, is good. Um, mum's never lived with me, so my kids haven't had that. But, yeah, certainly the multi-generational thing I, I thought was great growing up, but, but part of that was, yeah, also making sure you've got people, you give people space when they need space yeah. and... and yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was a wonderful blessing. Do you see um, your kids taking Joe out to the shops every Sunday morning? <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> but they're really sweet, you know. Um, they're really sweet. My kids will now, because they're, they're all driving, mm. um, they'll occasionally take my mum a coffee, mm. sometimes prompted, sometimes unprompted. Um, it's the currency for grandmothers. If, if you take her a cappuccino, she's as happy as can be. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just thinking about the people. So, uh, yeah, I hope so. Mm. That would be. F- I think it's not. I, I th- it's just a you know, you could say it'd be really easy just to order all their food online or something. Mm. But it's just a great excuse to do it to get out and get get moving. And yeah, mm. and also take mum down to Yarrawarra an hour of a Sunday morning. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you've got to be deliberate and get kind of out of your comfort zone and do stuff, otherwise you don't. Yep. You mentioned your uh, career exploits and moving around to, to different places. Yeah. What's it like being a Christian in those? Because I feel like you, uh, you've been in like reasonably corporate jobs. Yeah. Big organisations. Mm. What's it like being a Christian and working as a Christian in those environments? Yeah, uh, sometimes easy, sometimes hard. Mm. Uh, I've always, uh, I've always made it a point for people to know that I'm a Christian, because mm-hmm. that also sets some ground rules. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just bringing it a little bit this way. Um, I remember very early on in my career, I had one really awkward situation where all the guys went out for lunch, and they went to a place that I wasn't going to go for lunch. Yeah, and I remember it was back. Uh, it was back in the days when, you know, that Waterloo, Alexandria area was pretty shady and I suddenly found myself having to try and find my way back to the client because everyone had gone in to go and have lunch <laughs> at an cool. establishment that I wasn't going to and mm, I had to try and find my way back. That was a bit awkward. Yes, mm-hmm. I see. Like kind of like a, a gentleman's club. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, the, the Alexandria version of that back yep. in the uh, <laughs> early 90s. Um I also don't drink. That's not. Mm. Uh, that's for a whole host of reasons. And um, I have had some jobs where people have, have said, you know, how do you do your job? How do you meet with clients if you can't drink? You make deals. Mm. Yeah. How do you make deals when yeah. you don't drink? Yeah. I'm like, no, I haven't really had a problem with it. So some people do, some people don't. Uh, but yeah, I've always just been really quite um, deliberate about letting people know, and not be really overly pushy but just so that people know uh it hasn't 
I've had lots of conversations. I've, I've worked with very few Christians over the years. Mm. I've had a couple and some of them are really good friends still now. And so I'm often the only Christian. Um, and I've had instances where I've been asked to do things unethical and I haven't. That, that, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. That yeah. resulted in me leaving one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Just in terms of like doing something dodgy or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to reveal it. I'm just, it was... Uh, it was, yeah, it was something which I, which crossed a line in yeah, okay. my view. Yep. Uh, and that ended pretty bad. They threatened to sue me. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Mm. Um, but I wasn't prepared to compromise mm. my belief. Thankfully, that's pretty unusual. Um, <laughs> yeah, in most aspects. In most, yeah. yeah. Totally. I, and I've been fortunate enough to work for employers that are pretty solid. Mm. That's good. Awesome. Mostly. So that's, uh, so that's been good. And it's, you know, I, I still remember my where I currently work, one of my, one of the guys I worked with, uh, over COVID, he was he was, spoke to me a, a bit about my faith, and um, that inspired him to start looking after his neighbour. <laughs> he translated that to be a, um, a lovely, no, lovely neighbor. Literal, thing, literal neighbour, but which is which is fine. Yeah, it was literally, his literally neighbor. It was just neighbor. a retired couple. <laughs> yeah, right. He'd kind of know, knew they were there, and they kind of, but he started making meals for them and, oh, and making sure they got their shopping delightful. done, and um, which. Partially, completely, this is the point that I do this because of Jesus. <laughs> but so, yeah, look, you, your, your life has, a, has, a, uh, has an impact and it can have different levels. So, Have you seen it? That, that's one aspect of positively impacting, but I'm sure you, you've led teams of large groups of people, even like you're saying at Qantas, so that was a, a big deal having to uh, organise all the as catering, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, so I wasn't in the catering. The, the, the part of the airline that buys the catering off the different places. Ah, around. okay, like ordering all the yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, that's a big job. Do you see that being a Christian impacting the people that you lead? Look, I've had, I've had a number of people over my career who have commented, who have found out that I was a Christian later, and it's like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> you kind of <laughs> that's go, cool. phew. <laughs> that's better than them going, no. Nah. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just a nice guy for being a nice guy. Yeah, that's a, no, but that's a really lovely testimony too. Yeah. Of like, as opposed to the really like that. Yeah, that yeah. you don't want that. that. You don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> uh, but um, so yeah, uh, so some of that. Mm. But uh, again, I, I I actually quite like managing people, which is some people don't mm. uh, because I I really like. It. Uh, seeing my team members achieve more than what they thought they could. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. So that that I kind of really like. That's really cool. And that's probably one of the the skills that I enjoy and I mm. think I'm okay at, mm. uh, which a lot of people don't like. Mm. I've got stacks of team members who are awesome, but and I go, do you, you know, what do you want to do next in your career? I don't want to manage people. <laughs> so, would you describe yourself more as a generalist or like a more individual skills person. Yeah, I, th I, I think I'm more of a generalist. Mm. Although what I tend to find is over a, a couple of years in a role, I tend to get quite specialised in that, but then I don't tend to... Because if you're becoming more specialised, you get you don't want to do that as much. I don't know. I think I just go for the next challenge. Yeah, okay. I don't know. My career probably would have been more successful if I was more aggressive and stuck to it i mean uh you know the uh, i i used to be a, a peer of the current ceo of Qantas. now mm -hmm. she was far more ambitious than i am and and it's 
smarter and more talented, but that's it's we chose different courses, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've worked with some really cracking people over the years, but maybe I just have a short attention span. I don't know. <laughs> it's kept it interesting mostly. Yeah. As you got older, what did it look like? Uh, was it different? Did it look differently for you at church as you got older and you have family and those kind of things? Did think many things change? What how should you lived out church or express that? Yeah, actually, I'll take one step back from that. One, mm. a, a comment that I've had from more than one person in my professional life, though, was commenting to me, it's really clear that my professional life isn't the main game in my life. Mm. Well, that's and very So that's been a, cool. a, a, a number of people have said that where said some of your peers, their work is, is it. That's where they get their, their, their role in the universe. And a lot of people have said clearly your involvement in church is... Uh, is important enough to you that it, um, it it means that your professional life is just part of your life, not all of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that's, I guess, been a, an encouragement to me that I've probably got the balance kind of okay. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think Sorrow Revival as a youth group and then Sorrow Revival as a church is is really all about encouraging people to know and love Jesus. This is a, a model that I think really works, which is why it's a it's a great thing to push. But you know, I remember back when Stu and Lou lived next door to St Tim's Church down at Grays Point in the old rectory. There, there was a time where Stu and I stood on the balcony of St Tim's and looked out over Grays Point. And uh, Stu, I, I don't even know whether he even had started SNBC then, but you know, he was a uh, a wild youth minister probably part-time at that point i'm not sure and i remember we looked out he was talking about his vision to just you know this is this is these are people that i need we we need to to share the gospel with right and i remember he turned to me and said if i ever become a rector will you be my warden (laughs) (laughs) and to which i said yeah sure (laughs) Ah, yeah yeah, yeah. of course (laughs) he could have told me you know if i ever Managed to learn how to fly. Will you yeah. Uh, help? Yeah. yeah, no worries at all. Uh, and so uh, he held me to it, and I've 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 been faithful to that promise mm. <laughs> since That's then. Very cool. But you have, you know, and the irony is now you can stand on Stu's balcony and look back and actually see that balcony. It's now a private home because mm. the, the church was sold off. Okay, but you see that same valley in the opposite direction, mm. and I think Stu's heart and my desire to work with him for that same goal although it's now much bigger than that that valley you know mm-hmm. um Stu really likes to the idea of kind of influencing the world and um mm-hmm. and yeah but that's kind of the the, the genesis of that uh that's that really commitment cool. you know uh and uh it's just such a privilege being able to be involved in a a church plant that's now got just such a more a much more significant kind of Blast radius or impact radius. <laughs> Blast radius. Yeah. Like that. Um, you know, uh, with our, our our lovely friends at, at Ride, the 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 relationship we've got with the the guys up in Warrena and and Inglehead, and here we are know, at Miranda Congregation. We're at Miranda Congregation. <laughs> you know, and I remember taking the kids up to Bawarana and to Fingal back when the boys were in a, a travel cot, you know, mm-hmm. sub one, taking, taking infants camping out at, at Bawarana. Wild. It was just, Wild. they were just crazy times. 
I remember one trip coming back from Warrener and, and Joe was, Lou was sick and mm. Joe drove Lou home in the Beetle, I think. Oh, wow. In the Beetle. In the Beetle at <laughs> Rewarner. The, the, oh, the new Beetle. Oh, yeah, yeah okay, okay. okay. And I was in the car with the kids and we just had to get, get Lou home. She was crook. Yeah. And we, st- we pulled into, I can't remember if it was Dubbo or Bathurst or something, into a Macca's there and I got out of the car and they're like, is everything going okay? And I said, the kids have screamed nonstop now for four hours. I just need, I just need to, I need a five minute break. <laughs> just need to go for a little walk. Because <laughs> ministry sometimes tough, right? Yeah. Um, but it's what a great opportunity. Mm. It's never dull. Mm. Heck, I got to say, the parish council meetings at Sorrow Hall Church are never dull, mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it can be what's the what's the new ministry we're going to dive in? What's the you know, I, uh, a lot of parish councils spend six months debating a fence. We, we're, there's, just, there's just so much opportunity for the gospel and yeah. Stu absolutely drives us to look for the next thing and mm. it's it's a wonderful opportunity. It's a wonderful time. It's a great blessing. Mm. And I think you uh, enable that too as the, as the parish council as well, that we, we're all pushing forward in the same direction. Mm. Yeah, well, our job is to make sure that it's done in a responsible way. Not that she's not responsible, but more like we've got to try and make sure that the the things are in place to make these things work. Yeah. You know, early on we we in the church we read together the book The Vine and the Trestle, and it was yeah. about you've got to have enough infrastructure in place to be able to let the ministry blossom. Yeah. And the wardens and the parish council's job at Soul Revival Church is all about trying to make sure that uh, with the staff that we've got. Enough trestle, but not too much. Trellis. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry to be annoying. No, no, you're right. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I didn't think that at all. To, people like, used to mix it up when we were talking about the, the book as well. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. trellis, guys. Trellis. It is trellis. <laughs> trellis. Um, but we've got to make sure that we've got enough, but not too much. Otherwise, mm. yeah. And mm. it's just... It's that was a helpful book for us, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. When and we're planning, especially when we're planning to begin with. Yeah, Absolutely. And at work, I've got a kind of similar philosophy. You know, they talk about what's the difference between good governance and bureaucracy. <laughs> it's having enough things in place to make things work, but not too much. When you've got too much, you've got bureaucracy. Slows it all down. Yep. But if you don't have enough, then you don't have that governance and you can go off the rails. So. Yeah, right. But no, nah, it's a great place. It's a great place to be. It's a great place to raise families and it's a great place to just see some of the exciting stuff that God can do. Yeah, I think you're right. It's really cool. Um, we're getting close to the time that you need to depart. Mm. Okay. Uh, I was going to see if Ethan, if you have any, and that doesn't mean I want to wrap it up, but I'm, I've very much enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything that you want to ask before we ask the final question, Ethan? Um, how do you think, um, you talked about you talked about the work, like work church balance, mm. Mm. and it's obvious that church is important. To and you. It's obvious that church is important to you. Um, do you have any uh, insights or thoughts about how to do the church family balance? Because mm. you've got a you've got a you've got a pretty there's five of you, um, yeah, and there's a lot of energy and fun and lots of things to do and. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I've always got that right. I know Joe was pretty thrilled about me joining standing committee. Um, oh, that's something I need to ask you about. Keep going, so. But uh, look, I think as our family is committed to church, mm. and we're all involved in lots of stuff, and and therefore, 
we often, you know, we often are doing things together, although not mm. always. Mm. Um, Joe and I have been at Yarrawarra for the last couple of years, mm. and we were going to Saturday night less often just because of the sheer volume of stuff. Yeah. But we've noticed we noticed that the kids were getting a little bit um, inconsistent in some of their attendance, mm. and so we decided to go back and make sure that we, as a family, were Saturday night was a family thing, cool. which is kind of weird because we don't sit together, at, we don't eat yeah. dinner together yeah. at church, but that's actually really uh, strengthened uh, the whole family's commitment yeah, to cool. attend. Lovely. Um, you know, the, 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 the kids are doing ministry now in their own right. I remember, you know, the boys were going up and doing fuse there and going over and even buying the, the groceries for, which is crazy because they don't do that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think making church ministry a, a family thing mm. has, has really helped with that. Is it in balance? Sometimes, sometimes not. Some weeks are pretty, pretty full on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm really fortunate. I've got three kids that know and love Jesus and that are um, holding firm, which is just a wonderful blessing. Mm. Not everyone has that. Uh, and I pray that that continues as they go and find partners and mm. do all the other stuff. Uh, is it a balance? I'm not sure. I think it's more a, a, an ongoing balance as opposed to a particular well set. Yeah, of course. Yeah, very uh, cool. Yeah. That was good advice. Mm. Even more, again, just sharing your experiences. Uh, the one question I did want to ask you before the final question was, tell us about, if you can briefly, like Synod and Standing Committee and working the Anglican Church. Like, well, not working, but being part of that. Yeah, governance okay. of the Anglican Church, not just a church. So, so when Soul Revival Church became a church we got seats on Synod. And so I guess the, the best way to describe it is most of the things in the Anglican Church are actually controlled at an individual parish level. Mm-hmm. So individual parishes have got an enormous amount of autonomy. Uh, there's a framework that, uh, that it sits in, but there's an awful lot. But every year, uh, the Synod, which is kind of like a church parliament meets, which has 800 members, so three members from each parish, mm-hmm. and the archbishop and bishops and archdeacon, like there's a, a number of official positions as well. And it's actually an amazing time of fellowship because you, you, you can't feel like you're, uh, you're out of the loan when, you're, in, when you, you're gathering. We gather for five days a year in a three-year cycle. Uh, there's there's, you know, there's eight, up to 800 people in the room all with their own slightly different flavours or expressions of it but that, that's what Sydney Anglicans, it, it's kind of the, there's a lot of governance and some legal stuff to do with it, but it's actually a, a great show of strength and solidarity and support. It's mm, really cool. But similar to being an 18-year-old going to parish council, mm-hmm. there's also a whole lot of you know, legal stuff, which sometimes you sit there and kind of go, why are we debating this? Yeah. Um, and there are other times where you go, actually, together as a group, we actually can do things that you couldn't do just as an individual mm. gathering and and so synod kind of represents that uh standing committee is just a a subgroup of what 50 something people 
of Synod, which meet monthly to cover off some of the legal and regulatory stuff that the, that the church uh, needs to do. And so, so I've, I've only been to one meeting, so I'm hardly an expert at that. <laughs> but, but you're not actually standing the whole time. Right? No, you can, I guess, if you want. But mm. no, they do, do people, do people do stand? Do some stretches? Stand to speak. They stand to speak. Stand okay. to speak. Yeah. But, but, but that's as a, that's part of the standing, standing committee, I must stand. Even if you can't stand me. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but yeah, so in a similar way to my view of as an 18-year-old, actually we, we, we should have a voice, mm-hmm. um, I was invited to standing committee and I'm like, okay, that, that's an opportunity for Soul Revival to have a voice. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, even though we're a little bit peculiar, we're, we're not the, the typical... Uh, parish, this is an opportunity for me to contribute. Then, then that's a good opportunity. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I really like that. Well, let's let's ask the final question, Adam. So, uh, what do you know now as an older Christian that you wish you knew when you were a younger Christian? Mm. You've been a Christian for a very long time. Yeah, for a since you long time. since you know. Yeah. Look, I think. Um, I think we should. I would like to continue to remind myself of just to be sure of the salvation and not so much ever doubt it, but just there's an enormous amount of, of boldness that you can get from being, from being truly uh, understand grace and understand the assurance. Mm. And so I think that would, that's a good foundation. And I think the other thing that I would encourage my younger self as much as I encourage myself now is to be bold uh, I think too often I'm timid or uh, second-guess myself or doubt myself. Uh, I can't think of too many times where I was bold, which I regretted later, but I can think of times where I haven't said something to somebody, mm. I haven't done something, or I haven't encouraged someone. Or I can think of a lot of things where I wish I had been more bold, and I think... Uh, so that's what I'd probably encourage my younger younger self. But yeah, I find myself cool. encouraging myself now to do the same. So it's yeah. possibly not just to my young self, but mm-hmm. those two things. Be re- be reminded of the foundation that gives us the the right to be bold, I guess, mm. uh, and then actually be bold and, and, and do it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I saw a quote the other day that uh, that life favors the people that finish. Um, so, you know, boldly doing stuff. If you're not doing stuff and you're not finishing stuff, then it's hard for stuff to happen. Yeah, right. That's yeah. It. I mean, I think about it. We just had David and Goliath as a as a sermon and talking about how the confidence that David had that God was going to make it happen. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about when you say that. Yeah, I remember thinking the same. We were, we we did that again in in Bible study on on Tuesday, and he was. It, it's always confront confronting how bold he was mm. it almost sounds on one reading of it david sounds arrogant but then you read it again and he's like guys you're the, you're the children of god mm. the, the his boldness wasn't just the the ignorance or the overconfidence of a, a young lad that didn't know better mm. his, his basis and he was on god's god's strength and he's like Embrace your birthright as the children of God. <laughs> it's, it's really hardcore. Eh? Um, I, I don't. I, I don't think that would be typically uh, 
how I've always lived, but I think think that's the opportunity. So that's probably what I yeah. tell the young. And well, just the fact that like I know you're saying sometimes you don't feel like you're bold, but I feel like from things that you've told us today, you have been bold many many times. Even in like your work scenarios where you're impacting people there, and they say, "Oh, that makes sense that you were a Christian mm-hmm. when they when you tell them later and things like that." And I think going on parish council when you were only eighteen. Or nineteen, like that's that's bold too. So I think there's been plenty of boldness in your life too, Adam. So I appreciate that, and I think I've really enjoyed hearing so much of your history, but also to hear that, uh, just hear it in the knowledge that you have been an integral part of Soul Revival Church from the very beginning, and also the Soul Revival Youth Community when I was back at Kymere as well. So uh, I've myself have benefited from your boldness in those things. Uh, I first, like talking about the the original Soul Revival Factory, that's where I first started going to youth group, as an example, when I was 15, I think. So that's uh, that was thanks to you, to a degree, of pushing forward and making that happen. So thank you for that, and thank you for everything you've contributed to our church um, so far. And, you, and you're doing it, again, like on the foundation of grace, like you've spoken about before. So uh, I think you're a fantastic example to everyone in our church, and I really appreciate it. And then your chief chief warden as well. So, chief, I'll change my non-existent card. One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any final words, Ethan? Because I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it too. It's been it's been absolutely fantastic. I think that um, on top of the boldness stuff, I'm really encouraged by your like every opportunity that comes up. You're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, like it's it's yeah, so yeah. awesome to. That um, is bold. It is. It is. Uh, but it's yeah. It's but it's also like a a keenness for change and a key, and a and a and a, and a um, yeah. It, it, not everyone notices opportunities, let alone jumps at them. Um, so I think it's both of those at the same time. Um, yeah, I like. I really enjoy. I've known you for ages, and I didn't know a lot of it. So uh, that was great. Um, uh, yeah, so it was. It was really. It was really really lovely to um, sit and chat and. And hear your story and yeah share share that with everybody else it was really really encouraging i'm very encouraged it's thank been you. fun thank you very much it's really, really appreciate thanks for coming on such short notice as well all good you really <laughs> really uh value as a member of our church so thank you very Huge. much Adam. it's been no awesome at all. as always we finish with a a one way one way thanks Adam. that was five. Oh, sorry.